invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Old Testament to Genesis, Genesis chapter 35. I want to read the first 20 verses. Genesis 35. Genesis 35, beginning to read at verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the days of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earring, earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree, so the name of it was called Alon Bakuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padamaram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he walked and where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephra, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Thus far, and the words of our text are framed in verse 18 of this passage of scripture. Verse 18, I want to read it again at this time. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May God add his blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the preaching of his word again this morning. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ gathered here in Salem with me this morning. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian truly is Christian. It's not true that all who confess Christ with their lips also have him in their hearts. 
It's not true that all who claim to know Christ really do know him in the full sense of the word. It is indeed true and possible to make a confession with the lips that is entirely separated from a deep conviction of the soul. It is possible to, to, to hypocritically confess with the mouth something that is not believed in the heart. It is even possible to make a public profession of faith without actually confessing Christ from the heart. But when a confession of faith is not genuine, inevitably, sooner or later, inevitably the true condition of the heart will come to light. A time will come when the innermost thoughts of the heart will make itself known. Oh, we may try to keep such feelings hidden. We may share some small portion of these thoughts with intimate friends in a moment of weakness or under certain circumstances. But inevitably, when the circumstances are right, there will come a time when we are caught off guard. We will let our guard down. We let our hidden feelings go, and we give expression to our true feelings. And then we reveal for all the world to hear what is really living deep within us. Oh, we may have kept our feelings to ourselves for a long time. We may have carefully hidden our true emotions from even those nearest and dearest to us. But despite the false front we have so meticulously maintained, eventually what lives in the heart spills over from the lips. You know what I mean. Has it not happened to you that on occasion you have seen someone who always led an exemplary Christian life when confronted with great personal crisis, they shocked you by abandoning totally any semblance of Christianity. They fault the minister, the consistory, the elders, and they storm out of the church, and they never darken the door of the church again, and we are shocked. We thought the person to be a solid citizen of the kingdom, but when confronted with a personal crisis, they tragically display that they really were not who we thought they were. On the other hand, we've also seen men and women of whom we were never quite sure, who, when in a similar situation, demonstrated a true living faith and a trust in God. And that was precisely what I meant when I said that the true condition of the heart often comes to expression in times of great crisis. And that's what we will see in our text of this morning. Before I go to the sermon proper, allow me a brief word of caution. We're going to hear this morning two different confessions from the lips of two different church members, and then by nature we're inclined to pass judgment on the condition of the heart, and that is something God forbids us. Scripture denies us the right to judge the hearts of men. That's a prerogative which is God's alone, and we gladly leave that to God alone. However, the church must take seriously the command to judge the confessions of men. And although that is important and imperative that the church discern to the best of her ability the spiritual condition of the hearts of every congregational member, that incidentally is the real purpose of an annual home visit, and it is the purpose of an interview between elders and a candidate for church membership, but what is even more urgent is that each member themselves also honestly search and determine the true spirit that lives within their own heart. This morning on this last Sunday of the year, we hear in the word of God two confessors. We hear two different confessions 
uh, or confessors making two different confessions. And we, we will see that those two confessions are made at the same time in a time of great personal crisis. We will see that both confessions were made by prominent citizens of Israel. In other words, we hear in our text confessions made by members of the church. Rachel, dying in childbirth, while drawing her last breath, calls her newborn son Benoni, meaning son of trouble. Jacob renames him Benjamin, son of my right hand. And in the giving of these two very different names, these two individuals reveal to us the two different spirits. We will see this morning the spirit living deep within the heart of the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, and we will see the spirit living in the heart of his wife Rachel. And this morning as we stand on the threshold of a new year, God's word comes to us and urges us to reflect very seriously on our own response to life's situations over the past year. The word of God will cause us this morning to reflect on this, in this next hour or so on how we have responded to life's situations in this past year. And the question before us in our text this morning will be, when you found yourself in times of perhaps great crisis or in sorrow or calamity, what was the response of your heart? In times of pain, heartbreak, affliction, what was your cry to God? Was it Benoni, meaning Mara, bitter? Or was it Benjamin, son of my right hand? I ask you to gird up the loins of your mind with me this morning for a few moments as God's word calls us to examine the relationship between the confession of our mouths and the condition of our hearts. I minister God's word to you this morning using as my theme two views of life, two views of life. We want to see, first of all, that our view of life comes to expression in times of crisis. Our view of life comes to expression in times of crisis. And then secondly, we will learn that our view of life is born out of the condition of the heart. Our view of life is born out of the condition of our heart. You will remember with me that Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, and we learn from the scripture that Leah had Jacob's children, but Rachel had Jacob's heart. You will also remember with me that the character and makeup of our father Jacob left much to be desired. Not all things that we saw in his life were qualities that speak well of an Old Testament patriarch. And also this morning we must be careful that we do not paint of him an untrue picture. He had many faults some of them very serious and grievous and very sinful faults. And yet with all of his sinful shortcomings, he remained a true child of God. He was an Old Testament saint who not only worshiped God in spirit and in truth, but who obviously also spent time in the necessary religious instruction of his family. If you carefully read the Old Testament record of Jacob's life, you cannot help but conclude that despite his failures, at, as head of his home, he had gathered his wife and his children around him and had taught them the mysteries of the mighty acts of God. 
it is clear that he honored his obligation as husband and as father in the sense that he, he instructed his wife and or his wives and children in the way of the Lord. Oh, indeed, we do not find any text that speaks specifically about that, but we certainly do find evidence of that. For instance, when we remember that true religion was not found in the house of Laban, the father of Rachel and Leah, when we consider that Jacob's wives were not raised in a home where God was known and honored and worshipped, when we remember that the two girls were raised in a pagan home, and then when we notice that Leah, while married to Jacob, named her own children, and she gave three of them names in connection with her own religious convictions. Her third son she named Judah, meaning praise the Lord. And having not been taught of God in her parental home, it is obvious then that these things must have been taught her by Jacob. And so we admit then that Jacob, with all of his faults, did instruct his family in the things of God. Rachel would have received similar instruction, perhaps even more so, since it seems that Jacob devoted more time to Rachel than he did to Leah. Rachel, too, learned of God from Jacob, and, and even though she was favored and loved by Jacob, even more than he loved Leah, Rachel did not seem to rise to the same spiritual heights as did her sister. As we read in the scriptures, it strikes us that even though Rachel was more closely associated with Jacob, she appears to remain less spiritual in her outlook on life. She appears to remain more worldly than her sister. Time and again, we see evidence of that in her life. At one point, she goes so far as to chide Jacob, saying, Give me children, or I die. And Jacob corrects her, Am I God? But Rachel goes even further, being, being unwilling to wait upon the Lord, she takes matters into her own hands, using herbs and other concoctions in an effort to conceive a child. We see further evidence of her divided allegiance in the fact that even after 20 years with Jacob, she still clings to the false gods and idols that she had brought with her from her parental home. She conceals these idols under herself on the journey, and when confronted, she lies about them, indicating in all of this that her heart was not entirely attuned to the God of her husband. Obviously, her heart was divided between the God of Israel, of Jacob, and the pagan gods of her ancestral home. And now follow closely with me for a moment. As I said earlier, we do not want to pass judgment on Rachel's ultimate destiny. The judgment about Rachel's eternity we gladly leave to the Lord. But we do want to observe, though, that her love for God was not with a singleness of eye. Her heart was divided. She suffered from a certain duplicity. Rachel's life and lifestyle were not altogether in keeping with what was expected of one who claimed to love and serve the Lord. Her worship of God was still mixed with the unbelief and superstition of her parental home. Although she prayed to God, and although we read that God hearkened unto her, yet she was lacking that so necessary blessedness of a wholehearted confidence in God. And people of God, we need to know these details of Rachel's life in order for us to understand how she came out to cry, to, to cry out the words of our text to which I call your attention this morning. You see, Rachel desperately wanted to conceive. We hear in our text that the desire of her heart is granted, 
but we learn that she dies giving birth to her son. What was so eagerly and so joyfully anticipated in the family home turns out to be a cause of great sorrow. She was desperate to conceive, and she does. But now try to imagine her heartbreak when she realizes that the birth will cost her her life. It's important that we capture that great trauma, for it is now in that context that we are reminded of the scriptural truth out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, that which is buried deep within our hearts will eventually come to expression from the lips, usually and especially in times of great crisis. It's often in times of great turmoil that a person reveals what is truly, really living in his heart. Listen with me to Rachel's dying words. His name, his name is Benoni, son of my sorrows. My dear precious saints of God, in just a few short hours, we will mark the close of another year. And if I were to now ask you to seriously reflect on the year gone by, and if I were to ask you to characterize in one word the year that has just gone by, would that word for you also be Benoni, son of my sorrow? Be honest now. If that is what is found in your heart as you reflect upon the past year, if it is indeed bitterness that has colored 2023 for you, could it be that you too, just as Rachel, have been unwilling to tear your dearest idols from your own heart and life? Could it be that there was too much of self and too little of God in your life? Oh, my dear people, God, see the love of God with me here. When we have anything or anyone who is more precious to us than God, then it has become an idol for us. And if God then rips it out of our heart, it is a blessing. Follow this with me. Go back with you to the text and notice with me the, the contrast as we examine the response of Jacob. Oh, it is true indeed that he himself was not called to die, and consequently it could be argued that the sacrifice or the burden for him in these circumstances was not equally tragic as that of Rachel. After all, it was Rachel who was dying and not Jacob, so we would naturally expect a different response from the two in the circumstances before them. But, but, but note well with me here that although it was Rachel that was dying, Jacob too was being called upon to give up his dearest possession. Of all of his possessions, Rachel was his most precious possession. And God took her out of Jacob's life and tore her out of Jacob's heart. A chapter of his life has closed, and at best all he had left of her was her memory. My dear people, God, I can, I can imagine that after Rachel's death, each time that Jacob looked at his new son, he would be reminded of the pain in his heart at the death of the child's mother. Would it have surprised us if Jacob here in brokenness of heart would have agreed with the name given by his mother, by the child's mother? Would we have faulted Jacob? Would we have faulted him if he too would have called the child Benoni, son of my sorrow? Remember now, for Jacob too, it was a time of great crisis. It was a time of tremendous disappointment for him. 
And in this great turmoil, we hear his response. Listen to his words. Very different from the bitter cry of Rachel. By contrast, we hear him, no, 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 not Benoni. His name will be Benjamin, not son of my sorrow, no, but son of my right hand, son of encouragement and strength. People of God, walk carefully with me for a moment when we try to understand this contrast between the confession of Rachel and that of Jacob. Remember with me what we said earlier in the sermon. Remember that we were, were reminded that out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually what lives in the heart spills over and comes out of the mouth. That's what we see here in our text. But, but, but what a difference. And what we need to see here is the different emphasis of the life of Jacob and that of Rachel. Jacob demonstrates here that his heart, his heart is not attached to the things of time, which are his only for a season. He has learned by God's grace to put his trust in the God of Bethel, who sends both grief and sorrow, but who also gives the free and necessary grace to go on in faith. <coughs> Jacob, in this instant, had not insisted on having his own way. God took Jacob's dearest treasure gives him a helpless child in her stead, a child who was later to take his place among the sons of Israel, and yet for him, the child pointed Jacob to the God of Israel. Again, God showed his strength through human weakness. And people of God, you too may have suffered great loss of many different kinds throughout this past year. Perhaps for you too, the road was not always easy. Perhaps the road was often uphill, covered with sharp stones, thorns, thistles, and huge obstacles. Perhaps you have experiences in your life that others cannot even begin to imagine. Only God knows and understands. He understands the many tears that fell on your own pillow through so many long and anxious sorrowful nights. You may have passed through many sorrows, but could you then and can you still now this morning say with Jacob, Benjamin? Could you still then and even now say with Jacob, my life is not turning out as I had hoped, but Father knows best and therein lies my strength. That was Jacob's confession in a time of crisis. But how different the words of Rachel. And again, uh, although we refrain from saying that Rachel had no faith, we are able to say at least that her faith was weak. And therefore she faltered during times of adversity. Although she was taught of and perhaps shared in the grace of God, she appeared to lack the joy of the full comfort and assurance promised her by God. And although through Jacob she was brought very close to God, it seems that she personally never entered deeply into the wonders of God's grace. She knew of the, the covenantal blessing, but it would seem that she was reluctant to make them fully her own. Congregation, it's sad but true. Rachel was not a stranger among us. Oftentimes, we can identify with her. How often are we not reminded of God's promises and yet we fail to fully claim them with our own? 
How often do we not live in a superficial relationship with God and allow the things of passing value to become all-consuming for us, and then in times of crisis, our entire world seems to collapse? Rachel's no stranger to us. You know what I mean, don't you? Oh, Rachel wanted Jesus, if I may say it that way, but she also wanted the world. Her misguided ambition robbed her of so much joy. Her duplicity, her double-mindedness, her lack of complete commitment crippled her spiritually. Remember with me when she left her father's house, she took with her pagan idols of her ancestral home, even when she had to lie and, and steal to do so. The God of Jacob as her own complete savior, that was insufficient for her. To serve him and to serve him alone, that was inconceivable to her. Rachel, Rachel wanted more. Rachel was not at peace with God's plan for her life. She desperately wanted to conceive another child, and finally God grants her the desire of her heart, but in the process it cost her her life, and she cries out in bitter anguish, Benoni, sorrow, and congregation apart from God. All treasures, even precious children, will bring us nothing but sorrow. For Rachel, her treasured ideal turned to ashes. For when it arrived, she was called upon to part with it. And in her anguish, her response demonstrated the weakness of her heart. And that's what we must understand in her plaintive sigh. Benoni, Mara, bitterness. Congregation, walk carefully with me here for a few moments. It's not wrong for Christians to possess earthly goods or treasures. They too are blessings from God which are ours to receive with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, it is sin for a Christian to desire and to enjoy, uh, it, it, for, to, to desire legitimate pleasure and leisure is not a sin. But scripture certainly urges us to fully appreciate the great blessing when we have been given loving wives and husbands and children. But, but, but what we are to understand here, what we are to consider here this morning is, what was the purpose of your striving for the last 365 days? Was God simply an appendix added onto your life? Was God little more to you than an afterthought, if you will, tacked on as a point of reference in times of stress? What was, your, what was most important for you? Was God important or real only in times of crisis? Or was he your all for all of the 365 days of the last year? And if we too need to confess that we have sorely neglected to exercise the strength of our faith, especially in times of crisis, then praise God that it is only the close of a year and not the close of the day of grace. God still grants you the necessary time to reassess your priorities this morning. Notice with me now one more time the difference in the response of Jacob. And I remind you again of the fact that Jacob was not always a man beyond reproach. Jacob was very obviously a man, much like ourselves, a man of many faults and sinful weaknesses. The scriptural record of his life is far from commendable. And though he was a biblical patriarch in his conduct, he does not always stand out as much of an example. He does not stand far above, above us. We can identify with him as well. 
We too, we often wander so far from the Lord and we attempt to do so much in our own strength. And yet in Jacob was to be found something commendable, not because of something within himself, but something that he had become because of the grace of God. He confessed and he acknowledged God. We occasionally see in him a conflict in that, although, although at times he had even rebuked and corrected his beloved Rachel, Jacob himself was not beyond scheming and deceiving to suit his own ends, but by God's grace, he also came to know that it was not his own efforts that blessed him. No, he knew that it was in fact, in spite of himself, that God's favor shone on him. We have scriptural evidence of that as well. Listen with me to his discussion with Laban as he worked to earn his wife through the deception of the man who would become his father-in-law. Listen to his, to his charge and his confession. He says, Laban, ten times, ten times you have changed my wages. And of course the object was that in the end Jacob would be the loser. Ten times, Laban, you have charged, changed my wages. Were it not, listen carefully, were it not that the God of my father, the God of Abraham, had been with me, you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction, and God rebukes you. Oh, listen to Jacob there confessing that it was not his own scheming that makes him wealthy, but he acknowledged that it was only through God's blessing. God alone gave him all that he possessed. God gave him health and wealth and wives and children. And God takes from him his dearest treasure when Rachel dies. But, but, but despite his sinful faults, because of the condition of his heart, even in all of his sinful faults and weaknesses, he sees God's hand leading and guiding. And he says, from thee has it all come to me, unworthy though I be. It is that condition of his heart that enabled him, as he faced perhaps the most greatest sorrow of his life in the death of his beloved Rachel, enabled him to stand firm and to hope in God. Rachel, his most treasured possession, breathes her last, cries out, Benoni, sorrow, and a child is laid in Jacob's arms. No, 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 says Jacob. No, 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 not Benoni. No, not sorrow, but Benjamin, son of my right hand, source of comfort to me. Through his sorrow, great sorrow, even though this great sorrow comes to Jacob, not apart from faith, but through faith, that same faith that he confessed in prosperity, he here confesses in his deepest adversity. In faith, in faith, in God's promises, Jacob sees not sorrow, but strength. Do you see the difference, people of God? It is the condition of the heart, or if you will, it is in the strength of his faith that he makes the confession uh, of Jacob so, that makes the confession of Jacob so radically different from that of Rachel. It is his trust in God, the God of Israel, who has never failed him, that convinces him that also this experience has given him in grace for Jacob's good. people of God on this last day of the year God calls us to take inventory of the condition of our own faith let us have the courage to critically examine ourselves 
to determine whether or not even in our hearts there is too much of self and too little of God. If we find that to be so, let us yet today confess that. And then let us face the coming year with steadfast trusting in the God of Jacob so that we too, by God's grace, may write, even upon the darkest pages of the book of our own lives, Benjamin. Congregation, this evening, as individuals, as families, and even as a congregation, we will turn the last page of this year. May it be that each of us may be given the grace to reflect on the character of our own confession, especially as that came to expression in times of crisis and sorrow. Each of us knows his or, own, his or her own heart, and only we ourselves are able to fully understand our own life's experiences. As individuals, as families, each of us, each of you, have your own book of disappointments and tragedies. Some of you perhaps have faced serious illness, your own or perhaps that of a precious loved one. Some perhaps struggle with age or infirmity. <coughs> Some suffer perhaps a debilitating, a debilitating physical weakness which limits the extent to which you can enjoy your daily life. Perhaps loneliness burdens you. Perhaps some of us have and continue to struggle with serious sin in our lives. For some of you, perhaps turmoil and pain of indescribable dimension have colored this past year. Some of you, like Jacob perhaps, were called upon to bury a loved one. Reflect now with me this morning on this past year and examine your own response to the circumstances in which you found yourself. Then also examine the condition of your heart and evaluate also the demonstration of your faith as you responded in these times of crisis to God and to one another. In the measure in which your life of this year should be characterized by a confession similar to that of Rachel in the words Benoni, in that measure you must write failure on the last page of the year in your own book of life. In the measure in which your life this past year should be honestly characterized by the name Benjamin, in that measure you must and write praise be to God on the last page of 2023. Is the tenor of your life as that of Rachel? Then humbly confess your failure before God. Is it that of Jacob? Then praise God for his grace and with eager expectation enter the year of our Lord 2024. Shall we pray? Father, time like an ever rolling stream bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be thou our guard while troubles last and our eternal.